how many of you have ever been in the house when all there was a power cut in the evening and all of the lights went off? Hands up if you've been in that situation. Well, what happens next? Normally, there's someone who panics. Probably someone screams. There's always one. But generally, we all stop what we're doing and we look for the torches, the candles, the fuse book, box, some way to put the light back on. So this morning, if you remember nothing else, the message in its simplest form is this. Light is good and God is light. Why don't you say to the person next to you, light is good. And the person on the other side, and God is light. Wonderful. I wonder how many of you have um, one of the yes cards on your seats this morning? If you don't have one, maybe there should be a few around that you could kind of find and get a hold of. Well, this morning, I wanted to give you an opportunity. And the opportunity we have this morning is an opportunity to say yes. So why don't you say to the person next to you, yes. Yes. (laughs) Well, God loves to say yes to his children. But this is our opportunity to say yes to God. Yes to his plans, yes to his purposes, yes to doing what he says is good. Yes to believing that he is faithful, yes because I know that he is good, yes because I know that he is the light of the world, and yes because I know that he is the light of my life too. Now the thing is that you don't actually know the question yet. The thing is I don't know that I actually know the question yet. We don't know exactly what it is that God's going to put on your heart this morning as we look at the Bible together, but we can know the answer. We do have an opportunity to be able to say yes to God, and the ticket this morning is in your hands and not just mine. You have the opportunity to say yes to the one who only ever asks good things of us. So why don't we start by looking at the Bible together? John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So last week we started our series, Let There Be Light, by looking at how Jesus is the light of the world and how he also makes us the light of the world. So here is a statement that Jesus makes about himself, I am the light of the world. The word that Jesus chooses to describe himself is light. Of all the words that he could have chosen, this is the one that he decides that I'm going to describe myself. So what does light do? Why don't you have a bit of a conversation with the person next to you and discuss. What does light do? Okay, well, what does light do? Light allows us to see. Very good. Brownie points all around. Okay, light allows us to see. So we mentioned last week when there is no light, no light whatsoever, that things are pitch black. Do you remember Pastor Clive's story about walking through the mine underground and he couldn't see anything? Why don't you put your hand in front of your face? Careful, make sure it doesn't touch your face, you know, got to be careful about that. 
You can't see when it's pitch black. You can't see your hand in front of your face. This close, this real, and yet you can't see it because there's no light. You can't see your reflection in a mirror. You can't see the piece of furniture that you're about to walk into. And you can't see quite how close to the edge you are or how far down the drop is either. And Jesus often used simple truths to help us understand important spiritual matters. So Jesus brings light and he helps us see. He helps us become aware of ourselves. He helps us to know who we really are. He helps us see that we're created, designed with a purpose, valued, and loved. That's what it means to have light in our lives. He helps us see the condition of our heart as though we were looking in a mirror. He helps us see where we've got it wrong and where we need to grow, where we need to change, where we're broken and hurt, and how we can overcome that and become whole again. He helps us see the furniture or the things that we need to avoid. He helps us see the bad choices that look like good choices to lots of people. He helps us see the pitfalls that we need to keep out the way of. And instead of just showing us where the cliff edge is, he shows us the path that we should walk, the destination that we're heading towards, and the direction that we should be walking in. So John was a man in the Bible. He was one of Jesus' 12 disciples. John was so close to Jesus that... um, he just, I love how it talks about him. He says um, he's the one that, he said of himself, uh, he, uh, he is the one that Jesus loved. What a great statement. If you could say you're writing about yourself and Adara would say, and she was the one that Jesus really loved. He just knew that Jesus really loved him. He really cared for him. He had a revelation of who he was. I'm loved, I'm created by Jesus. And so John spent three and a half years with Jesus. And he used very similar words to speak about him. Maybe we could look at our second verse. So this is John's summary of all of these three and a half years with Jesus. He says, this is the message we have heard from him, Jesus, and declare to you. God is in him. There is no darkness at all. So his conclusion from three years spent with Jesus, these are the words he used to sum up. The message of God. He is light. In him there is no darkness at all. So what does that mean? I imagine that John must have long learned to expect the unexpected with Jesus. Can you guys imagine walking around three and a half years with Jesus? Ordinary day, get a bit hungry. No, don't go to the shops. Let's feed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. All right, let's expect the unexpected. He heals the sick. He raises the dead. He gives sight to the blind. He walks on water. The expected became a very fluid idea, I imagine, for the disciples. They learned to expect the unexpected. They even had to expect the unexpected because they watched this king of all the world, the one who looked so good and so able and so capable, die on a cross in the weakest way. They learned to expect the unexpected. And then even after all of that, they watched how he came back to life because even death couldn't keep Jesus down. And yet, John is saying, with Jesus or with God, you can expect the unexpected, but there are no nasty surprises. There's no darkness in him at all. There's nothing lurking in his character, 
There are no dark corners in his personality. He is good. He is good. And he is good through and through. He had found that Jesus is always good. He's always light, and in him there is no darkness at all. He never saw anything bad in him, not in his highest heights when all the people were following him, and not in his deepest depths when he was nailed to the cross and the people he loved betrayed him. There was no darkness in him. And I want you to know this morning that it's still true. God is light. He is good. And there is no darkness in him. There are no dark corners, whether it's his best day or his worst day, whether it's your best day or your worst day. In God, there are no hidden, lurking corners. I've recently been reading a book called The Hiding Place. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's written by a lady called Corrie Ten Boom, who lived through much of um, World War II and as a result of helping people, actually ended up in concentration camps in Germany. And it's such a sobering book to read, so sobering, because she describes what they lived through in that place. And that place, those concentration camps were a place of real darkness, real, real darkness, if you can imagine. And yet, she says, in that place, they found that God was light. They found that in the deepest depth, in the darkest place that they'd ever seen and ever experienced, they found that God was good. They found that where there was no reason for human hope, they found hope, joy, peace. In the place when there should never have been singing. No one expected anyone to sing there. They learned to sing again because God started to shine lights in people's hearts and started to reignite that idea that God is good and in him there is no darkness. They found that out and they realized that. Now, let's look at the second part of the phrase in John 8, verse 12. So Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Whoever follows me. Here we have our condition. Here we have the thing that we have to do. And here we have our opportunity to say, yes. You know, if we want to have the light, we have to follow the light. Multitudes of people heard Jesus' message, they heard him speak, and they saw his miracles, but only a few actually followed him. And as a result, those few who followed Jesus went on to change the world. They were ordinary, 12 ordinary men who followed the true light, and they ended up seeing what nobody else could ever see. They had a direction that was heavenward, and they lived life differently. They encountered amazing adventures in God. They paid a high price for their faith, but they weren't afraid to be different because they were following the one who is always good and in whom there are no dark corners. Um, I just remembered a story that, I'm going to cut it a little bit briefer, but you know, seeing in the light doesn't always mean we see the whole picture all at once. Maybe you don't know exactly what your, what your life is going to look like in 10, 20, 30 years time, but that doesn't mean we're not walking in the light. Seeing the bigger picture is good. We don't have to see the whole picture all the time. And I remember um, Pastor Clyde once prayed for me, and I just finished uni, and he said, I just feel that God would have me say to you that 
you don't know what the future holds, but you do know the one who holds the future. And you know, for me, in that moment, it was like a light went on. And I realized, I don't see the whole picture, but I do see the bigger picture. God's got this year in his hand. I know that it's going to be okay. And it was a great year. So (laughs) um, he can make a way. He can make a way where there is no way. Um, I wonder if we can go to the next slide. I can't promise they're in the right order, to be honest. But we often think that the Bible or Jesus just provides us with principles. So principles, do not steal, do be kind, do not lie, do forgive, right? Principles. And Jesus gives us light so that we can see the right kinds of principles, so that we can live by principles. But um, something that I felt God was speaking to me this week is that John and the other disciples, they didn't just live by principles. God God's light or living close to Jesus or following Jesus meant that they didn't just see the principles, do this, don't do that, do this, don't do the other, but they lived by possibilities. They saw possibilities. Wow, Jesus walking on water? They didn't sit down and have a theological debate about whether it was right to walk on water or not. They said, Jesus walking on water? I want to walk on water too. That's possible for me. If Jesus can do it, I can do that too. Jesus is healing the sick. I want to heal the sick too. That's a possibility for me. It's the more time they spent with Jesus, the more they realized that things could be possible that they would never have thought would have been possible otherwise. So when God's light shines on our lives, he doesn't just show us what our principles should be. He also shows us what the possibilities are. He shows us that you, we've been thinking on this level, but he shows us there's a whole other way of seeing, a whole other way of thinking, a whole other way of understanding where there's no way no humanly way possible, God's able to open possibilities and we're able to see further. So why don't we go back to the Bible? So whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Let's, we're going to look at a parallel verse, which is in John. So we've already read the beginning of it, which says, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. This is the second part of it. It says, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. There's um, another translation of the Bible that says, if we walk step by step in the light where the father is, then we are ultimately connected to each other through the sacrifice of Jesus, his son. His blood purifies us from all our sins. So John expands on what Jesus was saying and helps us understand how we can be those whoever's who, out of the whoever's who, whoever follows me, right? So we need to walk in the light. There's not just an expectation that we can have that this is something external, that God is light and so therefore he's going to shine on me. I'm going to get down on my knees every morning and say, Lord, let your light shine. And then we just go through the day hoping that we'll see. We'll see you all the way through the day. No, walking in the light is something much more than that. It's something step by step. I was talking to Pastor Clive this week, and I said, what does it really mean to walk in the light? And he gave us a definition. So get your pens ready. Here we are. He said, to walk in the light means to live in the measure of revelation that you have. To, li- to walk in the light means to live in the measure of revelation that you have It means to live according to the level of light that you can see by. So walking in the light isn't about being perfect. 
Praise the Lord. It's about living in the measure of revelation that you have. So if you understand that God is love and that he is a God who forgives sinners and he calls us to forgive others, then walking in the light for you looks like forgiving those around you. That's what walking in the light looks for you. If you understand that God calls us to forgive, then walking in the light, you need to forgive. That's your call. That's your responsibility. Now, if you understand that God is a holy God and he wants us to be careful about what we watch and what we let into our lives, what we're looking at, then we need to be careful about what kind of media and magazines we're allowing in our lives and in our houses. We live according to the light that we can see by. So um, in this room, there are uh, two glow sticks in every row under your chairs. So I wonder if you could find... Who has the glow stick in your room? Take out the glow stick, break the glow stick, and give it a shake. How are we doing? Maybe 30 more seconds. Yeah, just go for it. Give them a shake. (laughs) That's brilliant. Apparently they don't work. Jane has resorted to her, the f- light on her phone. <laughs> Brilliant. Hey, don't worry. You followed the instructions. It was great. You passed the test. Well done. Now, you see, when you came in this morning, you didn't know when you sat down that there was a glow stick under some of your chairs, right? So why would you look? You were, you were only living according to the revelation that you had. You had no revelation that there was something under your chair. You had no revelation that you should find there's something under your chair. And you had no revelation that you should try and break it and then fail because it doesn't shine. I mean, you had no revelation about those things. And yet, once you did, once I told you there's something under your chair, it was up to you. It was your responsibility to have a look, right? If you didn't, it doesn't work. Unfortunately, it didn't work because my glow sticks weren't very good, but... Hey-ho, you followed the instructions. So we live according to the revelation that we have. And remember, um, walking is step by step. So there should be an increase in the light in our lives. So if you understand today that God is a God who forgives, that's good, and that's a good start. But as you learn to forgive, and as you ask God for help in that, you'll see that more light comes to you, and you realize, wow, God is also this that and the other and there'll be more increased revelation in our lives step by step the more you do what you know to do the more you will have opportunity for more the light gives us an opportunity to be honest why don't you turn to the person next to you and say honest honest about where we're at honest with God with ourselves and with other Christians who can help us grow there's no point saying Yeah, I pray three times a day, I always read my Bible, and I'm doing great with my family, if actually those are things that we're genuinely struggling with. There's no point pretending. Walking in the light gives us an opportunity to be honest about where we're at and to say, I understand that I should forgive. I know that I should forgive, but 
I don't know how. And so the honesty in that allows us to ask for help, allows us to say to God, God, I know I should forgive, but I don't have the revelation yet of how to do that. Would you help me? When we're honest about where we're at, we can increase our revelation because we ask the right questions. So when we're following Jesus, we have the opportunity to take the words of the Bible and to believe them in our hearts and to put them into practice in our own lives. As we read the Bible, lights will switch on. How many of you guys here have been going to life class? Great. So a couple of weeks ago, we were listening to the story of a man called Miguel Morales in life class. And he um, is a man who, he he really struggled with drugs. He lived a life on the street, him and his wife kind of traveling around. His wife got breast cancer. Their daughter was born with epilepsy because of their condition. There was just so much going wrong in their life. And one day someone told them, about Jesus, and they started going to church. They said, I want to follow God, and I'm going to go to church. And he had this understanding that if you want to go to church, and you want to follow Jesus, then you should read your Bible, right? That was what he understood. And so he decided, well, if I should read my Bible, then I'm going to read my Bible. So he would take his Bible every day, and he would read it, but he didn't really get much out of it. He was reading it, but it was like the words weren't going in. You ever seen Pirates of the Caribbean, where they talk about, I'm reading it, I get points for effort. So, um, <laughs> so he didn't know what to do about it. So he would literally take his Bible every day and he'd say, put it here, say, Lord, speak to me through the Bible. And then he'd open it up and he would read it, but still nothing. So the next day he'd put it on his head, Lord, speak to me through the Bible. And then he'd read it. And then one day he remembered that he used to use the pages of a Bible that he'd found to consume drugs. And he remembered, oh, that's what I used to do. And so he said, God, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I used to use your Bible to do that. Um, and then he said it was like a light switched on for him. Suddenly he could see. When he read the words in the Bible from then on, it was like, ah, oh, they make sense. This, re- like, this really applies to my life. I can really do something with this. And um, I just really love that story because it shows us someone who lived in the revelation that they understood. He understood I should read the Bible. So he read the Bible. He didn't know how to get anything out of the Bible. I should ask God, maybe put it on my head. So he like put it on his head, ask God, God, what do I do? It's still, um, so as he was asking God, God showed him, this is what he used to do. Oh, this is what I used to do. I should say sorry for that. So he said sorry for it. And then he starts to understand the Bible. So he kept moving along as he kept doing what he knew to do. And as he read the Bible, light started switching on for him. So we need to walk in the light. Number two, we need to have fellowship with God and with one another. Fellowship means to be connected. Now, I imagine Jesus' idea of connected is quite different from ours. My idea of connected might be to send someone a text twice a week. Jesus' idea of connected is come around for dinner, let's have supper, let's live life together, let's share life together. Well, I have some news for you this morning, whether you like it or not. We are in this together. We are called to be the light of the world and not the lights of the world. We're a collective of equally important but very different individuals. God has called us to walk this life together as we walk with him. Um, As well, we were explaining this week that God calls us into fellowship with him as the Trinity. So there's no longer just the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now there's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and us. 
He welcomes us. He invites us in to that fellowship or that connection together. What a great privilege to be one with him. This is why our city groups are so important. Maybe you've heard them be called city groups or cell groups. City groups are small groups that meet across the city every week to read the Bible together, to pray together, to share life together, to laugh together, to share and to love each other. A place where friendship grows, where teamwork grows. So what does following Jesus look like? It looks like something together where we support each other, we pray for each other, We speak the truth to each other. We love each other. We forgive each other. We challenge each other. We laugh together. We dream together. And we serve together. Are we doing that? Is that what your city group looks like? Can I do that more? As remembering a story um, I was telling Jane last night, about three years ago, I was praying about what should I do next? I was still at uni, but didn't have long left. And I was saying, God, what should I do? So I prayed and fasted and Still nothing, but one day I came to church and sat right where John Simmons is probably and um, said, God, I'm just going to worship you today. And, and in, that, in that moment, I saw like a picture in my mind's eye of a calendar. And in the calendar, it said, um, it had like the whole year and then the next year. And it had written September, Bogota, which is in Colombia, which is where there's a church that we're connected to. And um, that was it. That was the whole picture. So I said, yes, Lord, yes, amen. And then I, worship ended and I sat down in my seat and I was like, oh, it's a question, what do I just say yes to? And then, um, so that was it, that was my day. So I said to um, Sally, maybe that day or the next day, and I said, uh, Sally's my city group leader. I said, this is what I feel like God has said to me or what he's shown me. And she said, oh, well, this sits pretty well with me, but let's keep praying. So that was that. But then I started to pray, well, God, if you want me to go to Bogota in that September, if you've got my yes already, well, how long for? Prayed, read my Bible, asked God to speak to me. But I had no idea, nothing. Didn't feel like God was saying anything about it. For a couple of months, I was asking God about this. So I decided that I was going to go back to Sally and say, "Um, hey, what should I do, you know, kind of praying and stressing out a little bit like if there's no time limit is that like a forever thing is that like for a year is that for like a week please be a week like what's it gonna be but um but God I trust you you're good I said yes it's gonna be fine it's gonna be great so I went back to Sally and do you know what her advice to me was she said why don't you pray and ask God to speak to you from the Bible so I said, yeah, Sally, great idea. I decided long ago that my answer to Sally, I should be careful if she's listening, is always going to be yes first. That um, I wasn't going to say yeah, but I'd always say yes first. And then if I was struggling with it later, I'd come back and talk to her. I hope I've kept that as much as possible, as much as humanly possible. That's what I tried to do. So I said, yeah, Sally, I'll go home and do that. So I went home. And to be really honest with you, my first thought was, what am I meant to do with that piece of advice? Like, I've been praying and reading the Bible for two months, but now I need to pray and read the Bible, and she's going to ask me if I have an answer. Like, what am I supposed to do about this? But then my second thought was, no, God's called us to live life together. So if the advice I'm given is to pray and read the Bible, then there's just going to be a special grace on this time to pray and read the Bible and find an answer because we're going to be agreeing together that this is what the answer will be for us. So I asked God, what I should read that day. Immediately, God put in my heart Luke chapter 2, which is where Mary's song is. 
And I thought, I know there's no kind of answer in the Bible about how long you should go to Columbia for in Mary's song. I thought, well, it's okay. It lifts up the name of God. God, maybe you're just calling me to worship you. So I read it through. And right at the end, it says, and Mary went to Elizabeth's house for three months, and then she returned home. And I knew in that moment that was the answer that I've been looking for. And I said, um, I asked God a couple of extra questions, asked for some signs and some confirmations, and talked to Sally again, just to check it was right, and I hadn't just read, you know, a number in the Bible. But um, the story I'm telling you is because I want you to understand that being connected brought a blessing that I just couldn't access individually. On my own, it was good. I was doing what I knew was good, but being connected brought a blessing that I just couldn't access individually. So this morning, we've learned two things that we need to do. We need to walk in the light. We need to do what we know to do. We need to be honest about where we're at, and we need to be connected to each other and to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And today, there's just one more thing that I want to talk about, which is we've got two things we need to do and one thing we need to know. We need to know that the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. You know, Jesus is the light of the world, but that doesn't make him some kind of airy, fairy inhabitant of Twinkletown. He's not some strange idea of light and lightness. He experienced real darkness for us. He gave his life on a cross and shed his blood so that his broken body could make us whole. Sin brings darkness into our lives and it blinds our spiritual eyes and stops us from seeing. But the verse that we read before, I don't know if we still have the 1 John one, is that as we walk in the light, uh, he purifies us from all our sin. Thank you so much. If we claim to have fellowship with him, but but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Now this verse is in the present continuous tense. Say with me, present continuous. <laughs> present continuous tense is that is happening kind of tense. So what this really should say, if it was translated... Um, is translated correctly, but if it was translated a bit differently, it would be, if we are walking in the light now, as he is in the light, we are having fellowship now with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, is continually purifying us from all sin. God continues to clean up our lives. When we walk in the light, we don't want to have to walk with the grime of sin on us. It's, it's if you're dirty, it's a bit nice to be in the, you know, if you haven't really done your hair properly and the light's not very good, you feel a bit better, but when everyone can see everything, it's a bit not so sure about it. But we walk in the light and Jesus says, don't worry about it. I'm going to keep cleansing you. I'm going to keep purifying you. I'm going to keep making you whole. He does it continuously. He purifies us even right now. There is a devil, and he does love to accuse us, to make us feel guilty. You can't walk in the light because you did that thing last week. You can't, be, you can't have those possibilities that we spoke about earlier because of all those other things that you've done. But God cleanses us. He forgives us, and he makes us clean. He shows us the principles, and he opens up the possibility. He purifies us from all our sins. So let's come back to our yes today. We have an opportunity today to say yes to walking in the light. Yes to doing what I know to do. 
Yes to looking for the possibilities in God. Yes to saying yes to God, to following Jesus, whoever follows me. Yes to being the whoever. Yes to walking together. Yes to city groups. Yes to praying together. Yes to accountability. Yes to taking Sally's advice. Yes to being faithful to each other. Yes to believing the best of each other. And as we go, as we walk, as we take step by step, he purifies us, he clears away the guilt, he removes the shame, he makes us whole, he makes us pure. It's not a magic touch, but it is the blood of Jesus. So why don't we stand? And we're going to pray. Yeah, Holy Spirit, we want to invite you to come right now and to shine your light on us. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would come in this moment and in every heart, that you would start to show and reveal those yeses that we can say to you. God, show us what that looks like personally. And as God starts to show those things to you, Yes to being connected. Yes to walking in the light. Yes to doing what you know to do. Why don't you just say yes to God? (laughs) Yeah, Holy Spirit, we want to pray that you would come and you shine your light on your principles in our lives. And you shine your light on the possibilities. Father, we pray you'd lift our vision. Father, where we've been looking down, we pray you'd lift us up and we'd be able to see God has a path for us to walk. It's full of possibilities. The things that we thought there was no way through, God, you're going to make a way. There's going to be a way. We're going to be able. Holy Spirit, would you help us to see? Help us to see the way in this time. Help us to do the truth that we know to do. Holy Spirit, we welcome you to be that God who shines his light in our hearts. And why don't we just put something on our lips together. We'll make a declaration that the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin now and continually. So why don't you say after me, the blood of Jesus purifies me from all my sin now and continually.